This is Bible Studies with Russ, Bible Study number 44, picking up in Matthew 27, beginning in verse 45. Now, some have the heading here of Jesus dies on a cross. And um, now, Brother Patterson, who's the only commentator I use, at least for this study, uh, just keeps, he keeps verse 32 through, um, let's see here, through verse 49 as a crucifixion. He lumps all that together. But uh, some divide this up a little bit more. In verses 45 through verse 56 is really covering the just the death of Christ uh, on the cross. So looking at verse 45, and I don't know if I did this last time. I, I try to do this every single time I, I have these available. But, available, but you can find this section also in, in Mark 15, 33 through 41, and Luke 23, 44 through 49. Then also it's mentioned there in John 19, 28 through 30. Okay, verse 45 says, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour there was darkness over all the land. Uh, the darkness lasted from 12 to 3. The sixth hour is referenced basically to be our noon uh, to 3 p.m. Now Jesus died about 3 or shortly after. Uh, Luke says the sun was darkened, which should be regarded as a miracle. Uh, you know, I've heard, <coughs> excuse me, I've heard some critics talk about, well, this was just an eclipse. And and um, I've looked into that before, studied that before, obviously. And, of course, it wasn't just an eclipse. Uh, it wasn't an eclipse in the sense that we think of. Uh, it was miraculously darkened. You know, you think about when an eclipse is going to take place. Of course, today they they, they uh, pro- project when it's going to take place at this time. And the whole day is different, right? I mean, the whole day is different. Uh, you can tell uh, for a long time before, or you can tell at least for a while before the eclipse actually takes place what's going to happen. But in verse 44, this is something that's just, it's just not booming eclipse, it's darkness. Now, when an eclipse takes place, um, you know, it's quite a bit different. This is not an eclipse like we, like we would think of in verse 45. It's not an eclipse at all. It's darkness. It's just daytime, noon, all of a sudden, it's dark. From 12 to 3 in the afternoon. Now, that's a three-hour period of darkness. Now, I'm not an expert on uh, eclipses, but I'm not aware of them lasting for three hours. Um, but this is that's just another reason why we know this was not <laughs> some eclipse. Critics like to try to say that, but critics also like to say that when, when they crossed the Red Sea, they did so through ankle-deep water. And it's just when, when a part of the river that had, you know, the water had, had drained away from them, that's where they crossed. No, that's not dry land. Anyway, the uh, same, same kind of critics who would try to call this an eclipse in verse 45. Verse 46, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, the ninth hour, um, from, from see, so if it's ninth hour is 3 o'clock, so the ninth hour uh, is 3 p.m., again, 3 p.m. in the afternoon, He's crying out to God uh, there in verse 46. And I've heard people pronounce these words differently uh, where Christ is, is speaking this there in verse 46. To be honest, we don't, we probably really don't know exactly how that was pronounced. Um, I'm sure others know, know it more than me, but uh, to be honest, we have it translated here for us by, by the prophet, right? Or by the prophet, by the disciple. He says here, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um <clears throat> We also find the same idea in Psalm 22 and verse 1. It says, My God, my God, my thou forsaken me. Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? 
Uh, now, this is the psalmist talking about there in verse uh, there in Psalm twenty two verse one. And I've heard people try to say, "Well, Christ wasn't ever forsaken by God. Why did He say it then?" I, I've never understood that. I don't hear it very often. In fact, I only heard it once. Um, but I know there are others out there who do who do believe um, uh, who do hold the idea that He wasn't forsaken. But why would He say that? Why would you say he wasn't? Why would he say, "Why have you, why have you forsaken me?" If he wasn't forsaken, now you have to remember. You have to put this whole situation in context. Where was Christ on the cross? What was he bearing? The sins of all mankind. Does God hate sin? Yes. And so we look at verse forty-six when Christ calls out, "Why have you forsaken me?" It's because Christ is carrying the sin of all mankind. And you think about that for a moment. We think, well, he's, okay, he's carrying the sin of all mankind. And sometimes we like to think, well, we think about those during that time. But keep in mind, he's carrying the sins of all mankind for all time. That means past, currently during his time there, and all future, which would include us and anyone who may come after us. All those sins were on his shoulders there in verse 46. And explain, that explains why God could not look upon him because he was carrying the sins of all mankind. Uh, Brother Patterson says these words are transliterated from Aramaic. Uh, other Aramaic words in Matthew include amen. He mentions some others as well. Um, <clears throat> this cry comes near 3 p.m. or the near the end of his life. Um, now, in what sense did Jesus for, did, was Jesus forsaken? And Brother Patterson points out some things that I just alluded to as well. But first he talks about reasons, some reasons why he, uh, some, some, uh, he wasn't, well, he says some reasons, he mentions here some things about he was forsaken, but not for this. He wasn't forsaken because God did not prove his work. He wasn't forsaken because he was not innocent. He wasn't forsaken because of any action to forfeit the favor of God. Jesus had gone undergone great suffering on the cross, plus the scourging. And here we find, remember back to Genesis 3 and verse 15, the words we find there from God. He says, I'll put my enmity between thee and the woman. Between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and it shall bruise his heel. God didn't allow some suffering to take place on the part of Christ. And we find here, this is what's happening, right? He died on the cross for all mankind. The difference, though, however, is that Christ conquered death when he, when he came and, and rose from the grave, right? He took, it, he took care of the sin problem there in verse 46. And now we find here, as we're going to continue to read later, as we continue on, he's going to rise from the grave and conquer death, being what, what, uh, you know, the spiritual champion really for all mankind for all time. Now looking at verse 47, it says, Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, This man is calling for Elijah. Now, when people don't understand what's going on, they'll say all kinds of things. Maybe just because uh, th this is what they want to be true, or maybe because they just don't know what's going on. Uh, maybe just because of flat-out ignorance. I've heard people say some goofy things when they don't know what's going on. Uh, I've encouraged people before that if you don't know what's going on, just just be quiet. <laughs> don't say anything. Uh, you know, I don't mean that to be rude, but if you don't know what's going on, don't open your mouth, right? Uh, and so verse 47, they cried out, uh, they, they, they were saying he was crying out for Elijah there in verse 47. Now, Eli is the first three letters of Elias, the same in Greek. However, this was done in derision. These Jews could not have been so ignorant that they did not know that Eli, Eli meant, my God, my God. Uh, you know, remember prior to this, 
they were saying that uh, you know if you're the son of God, you know call up call call out to him, and he'll you know he'll you know he'll bring you down or those types of things or or come down from there. And so they're mocking him now. But the Patterson says here they could not know this. I think some are so ignorant that they didn't know anything. Uh, they some uh, now remember there in verse forty seven it says some of those who stood there. It doesn't point out who exactly it is that's standing there. It could be Pharisees, it could be Sadducees, it could be Jews, it, it could be a whole different type of people, or all kinds of different kinds of people. And people who want to be blissfully, blissfully ignorant will be blissful, blissfully ignorant. Uh, and they were mocking him the whole time, and he is right in saying that they were just mocking him, or some were definitely mocking him here in verse 47. Verse 48 says, Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on the reed, and offered it to him to drink there in verse 48. Uh, Jesus did not taste, or Jesus did taste uh, this uh, mild stimulant, as John points out there in John 19.30. We do know he thirsted in John 19.28. This needs also to be considered when we think about what's happening here. A sponge was filled with vinegar and put on the reed. Uh, Keep in mind, Jesus was on the the cross. They'd have to lift it up to him there in verse 48. Then verse 49 says, The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. So it appeared that maybe some thought, uh, you know, maybe some were perhaps, depending on, I think really, depending on what you're thinking about, some might say, well, maybe they're mocking him by putting on a sponge or, or giving him this this uh, drink there while he's hanging on the cross. Uh, some may look at it as maybe they were perhaps trying to, to do something to try to dull the pain. I don't really know all the details or all the reasons why they were doing this. Um, there may be some who were just literally trying to uh, help dull the pain. If you remember, he was offered things before he went to the cross as well. But when he tasted them, he wouldn't have anything else to do with it. Uh, verse 49 says, The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. You know, we mentioned previously how when they offered him things to drink, which in many commentators say perhaps to dull the pain, and he, he, he would have nothing to do with it, or he, once he tasted it, he was done with it. Why would you want, not want to dull the pain? You think about this for a second. Can you really, do people today try to dull the pain of sin in various different ways? Well, yeah, they do it through, preachers can do it through soft, soft teaching or just ignoring it. Um, those today claim to be Christians can try to dull the pain of sin by ignoring it or justifying it or those types of things. But Christ here doesn't want to dull the pain of sin. I think by trying not by refusing to dull the pain of his death, perhaps he wasn't trying to dull the pain of sin. Because, you know, the wage of sin is death, right? Can you really dull that pain? No. Now Christians can take care of that through the blood of Christ, because of what he's doing as we're reading about today. Um now that's just something to to, to think about. Um do I know for a fact that's why he didn't partake of it? No, the Bible doesn't say that. Uh, but it's just it's just something I think about sometimes that maybe it's a possibility. Maybe it was a way of him not wanting to dull the pain of, of death, but also not dulling the pain of sin. Now, it wasn't his sin. It was the sin of others. But sin, we know, affects a lot of people. And here we can see it definitely affected Christ. He had to carry it for everybody. Uh, verse 49 says, Let him alone. Let's see if Elijah will come to save him. They're still mocking him. The man, he is on the cross with nails through his wrist, through his feet. He's been beaten severely. He has that crown of thorns on his head. He's no doubt bleeding from his head, uh, bleeding from a lot, right? Um, and they're still mocking him. These are, these people are insane with anger. We say it sometimes, joking, well, they're insane with anger. No, they are insane. 
here in verse 49. For someone to say this, I mean, I can't imagine our worst enemy suffering us still mocking them. Um, we shouldn't mock them. We should, of course, we should try not to have enemies, but sometimes they make themselves our enemies. Look at verse 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit there in verse 50. Now, uh, he cried out the loud spirit. Uh, some translations uh, put he yielded up the ghost or spirit. It means he died. The loud cry could have, been, uh, could have been the words recorded from Psalm 31, verse 5. It's also in Luke 23, 46. It says, And when Jesus had cried the loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he gave up the ghost. Simply, he died. That's Luke 23, 46. Um, he gave up his life willingly. Christ, being who he was, could he have hung there a lot longer? In reality, because of who he is? Yeah. He could have been there for a lot longer. Now, we know, however, that the soldiers would come out later, and they would break the legs of the uh, thieves because they wanted them to die, so they couldn't lift up their legs anymore. They are going to suffocate. But as we're going to talk about later, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, look upon Christ. They didn't need to break his legs, right? They pierced his side. The Bible talks about how water uh, and blood came out. Uh, Again, a lot of symbolism, a lot of symbolism around uh, the crucifixion of Christ and the morality. If you, when you really think about the not dulling the pain, the blood and water that comes out of his side, um, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of symbolism, and and we'll get to that more. But they didn't break his legs because he was already already dead. Uh, he already willfully gave up his life. Uh, verse fifty-one. Then, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So coming out of the graves after his resurrection, right, verse 51, 53, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now, first of all, there's a lot that happens and this very short time period in verse 50, 51 and following. First, Christ yielded up his spirit. Verse 50, verse 50, he willfully dies. Verse 51, behold, the veil at that time, all these things are happening. It would seem one by one until you get to about verse 53 that says, coming out of the graves after his resurrection. Um, and we'll talk about that here in just more than a second. Um, but the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Verse 51. Um, the temple was was ripped or torn. The visible hung between the holy and the most holy place. Exodus twenty six thirty one through thirty three is a background for that. There were earthquakes. The rocks were were torn or broken. Uh, you have to the rocks now to be seen at uh, Mount Calvary, which he says here. But the person says, I understand there are rocks now to be seen at Mount Calvary, which are torn in two or broken up. Uh, not just rocks. It means he's about there's there's rocks there that had broken at some point, broken apart, and they're there. Uh, he's he's implying that perhaps this was done, this is all the way back from when Tom Christ died on the cross. Is that possible? Well, yeah, sure. Uh, for those who believe in evolution, they say, no, 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 no. Those rocks have been there for millions of years, blah, 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 no. Um, and, and in all reality, what? Thousands of years, right? Not millions, obviously. So it's a very possi- very great possibility that that is the case. Uh, but that's something he offers up. I can't verify that. But uh, it is a possibility. Anyway, so the rocks were split uh, and the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints who were falling asleep were raised. So they, they were raised in verse 52. 
But in verse 53, it points out that coming out of the graves, that they didn't go into the cities until after his resurrection. And they went to the holy city and appeared to many. So the graves were opened. Many bodies of, now notice, of the saints, only Christians were raised at his, at his death. Verse 52. Isn't that interesting? Why would, he raise, why would anyone else be raised, right? It makes perfect sense. Only the, the graves, uh, he says, the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were, were raised. Reference them falling asleep as those who, who had died previously were now coming up um, out of the graves. Uh, the graves could be a reference to, um, to my knowledge, they use tombs. Um, it could be a reference to uh, those in tombs. It could be a reference to those who literally were in graves. Uh, most likely, it's those in graves because he re- uses the phrase here, they were raised up. Uh, they, had fall- they had fallen asleep. The bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, the graves were opened. It could be a reference to tombs. It could be a reference to, 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 bury, uh, to people who were buried because we do know there were those who were buried and those who were put in tombs. Uh, regardless, it doesn't matter. They came up and they came out, right? Um is that miracles or those miracles? Yeah. Does a veil just suddenly just tear from top to bottom? No one touching it and just, whoosh. well, that was weird. No, those things don't just happen. Do rocks just suddenly break open for no reason? No. Uh, the earthquake. Well, we do know earthquakes are a natural phenomenon, right? Or a natural thing that takes place. Um, but we keep in mind all these things are happening at one time, which would tell us that they are all, these things are all done in a miraculous way. There in verse 51 through 53. Uh, verse 53 says, Those who have been dead who have been buried in the past arose. These resurrected people did two things in this verse. In verse 53, they went to the holy city, which was in Jerusalem, and they appeared to, me, and to many. But the Patterson says here, One can only imagine what happened when those in town saw and met face to face with those whose funerals they had attended. That's a good way. That's a good thing to think about, right? I mean, yeah, there's no denying that. Now, now we have to remember there are those Pharisees and Sadducees and Jews and all those types of things, individuals who they they saw Christ before miracles right in front of them. And all they did was say, well, what's the Sabbath? You know, stuff like that. So no doubt there are some who were just going to deny it no matter what happened. Ignore it. You know, uh, what we call today, that's kind of what fake news does. They ignore real, real things that actually take place or don't talk about it. Uh, that's what these people are going to be doing, no doubt. Some some would be ignoring it and pretending it never happened. You remember when Christ, as we'll get to it later, when you went to the tomb, what did they tell the soldiers after you come out? Oh, to tell them you fell asleep and that they came and stole his body away and, and we'll protect you. That's all fake news, right? He came out of the tomb. They they were uh they were they were there at the tomb and the soldiers what happened? Well they saw what what happened, right? They, they were there when uh well they were there as a, as and while those things were taking place. And uh, we'll talk about that more as we, we get there, um, get to that. Now, um, all these things were taking place pretty quick in verse 51 through 53. Uh, the earth, the, the veil torn, the earthquake happening, the rock splitting, graves coming, being uh, people coming up from the grave. And as Brother Patterson points out here, uh, seeing people, <laughs> they're, they're going to the city. They're not just wandering around somewhere. They're going to the city, and they are doing what? And appear to many, which means people saw them. Is it likely that the people talked with them? It could have been. Uh, I don't really perceive them just just them going into the city and doing nothing. They appeared to them, and what do you think they were talking about? Well, I can't begin to imagine the idea of being dead and then coming back to being raised from the grave and going into the city. What would you think you'd be talking about? 
probably about Christ. Now, if you're looking at verse 54, <clears throat> the Bible says, So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that happened, they feared greatly, and, greatly saying, Truly this was the Son of God. Feared greatly is probably just, I mean, how do you describe someone who's probably in just absolute terror? They feared greatly. They were shocked to their core, no doubt, by seeing uh, what had taken place and, and seeing all these things happening and in the earthquake. And, and it all happened the moment Christ died. The moment Christ died. Verse 55 says, And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were there looking on from afar. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Joseph, the mother of Zebedee's son. Um, <clears throat> so what happens, we see those who were looking on. So many who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were there looking on from afar, which means they saw it. Looking on from afar, do we know how far that is? I have no idea. It could have been... You know, you think if there's a big crowd, how far do you stand off and still be able to see what's going on? Well, depending on where you're at and what angle you have, you can still stand a pretty far, pretty far away off, right? <clears throat> you think about it, if you go to a high school football game or a college game, even if you're you're a pretty good distance from the field, you can still see a far a good ways, right? Now, some would say, well, you're up on a hill, this, that, and the other. There's ways to see things from a distance and still know exactly what's going on. And no doubt, they were looking from afar there in verse 55, 56, and they were seeing. What happened? You think they felt the earthquake? Possibly. How far off were they? We don't know. Earthquakes are, can be felt pretty far. Uh, the, they no doubt uh, perhaps hear about the, the veil being torn in two. They would see the rock splitting, and they would see perhaps even themselves, those raising from the grave. Uh, a tremendous sight to see and to behold. I can't even begin to imagine, uh, you know, those things and and the emotions that went along with it. Uh, Brother Passion points out that in verses 57 through 66, he says, it's taken up with burying Jesus in a plot by the Romans and Jews to make the tomb as secure as it could, but nothing could keep Jesus from rising from the dead. Okay, we're going to stop there because with everything I'd like to say about the resurrection of Christ, we are at our time. I know we took a few moments there because I was had a little confusion about where we needed to begin. But next week... We will begin in Matthew 27 and verse 57, uh, beginning with Christ, looking at him, uh, his resurrection, and all the things they tried to do to secure that tomb. It's amazing, really, the length they go to. They seal it. Um, the soldiers are there. They're, they're put on guard. Uh, you know, it, you don't mess around with Roman soldiers. If Knowing Christ is in the tomb and the, and the soldiers are guarding it, you want to go there. Because you know they're only they're those the goal of those Roman soldiers were was that no one messes with it. Roman soldiers were not known to be nice people. Uh, these are the same guys who made sure Christ died. I mean, they're the ones who 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 some of the same guys who scourged him, same guys who mocked him, the same guys who beat him and 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 blast and spoke blasphemy against him and and put him on the cross physically. They're not to be messed with. But we're going to find out in verse 57 and following that none of that mattered.